It's about shaking people's hands. It's about looking them in the eye. It's about engaging and being interested in in what they're telling you. It's about being empathetic. Um, it's about asking the right questions. And sometimes it's just about shutting the hell up and just listening. Hello, everyone. Today we sit with Dave Fleming. Dave is a senior writer at ESPN, writes often for the magazine ESPN.com. He's authored a few books and has spent 20 plus years writing for ESPN, Sports Illustrated and others, written 30 plus cover stories and has helped ESPN and himself win many, many awards. He has crushed it and he's an unbelievable writer. We spent a lot of time today talking about how stories are chosen from him or for, uh, from editors spanning from finding Bigfoot to also having to go to Florida and report and write on the eSports mass shooting in Jacksonville. We also touch on a book he authored 15 plus years ago when he and his wife lost their son Noah during childbirth and a book Noah's Rainbow that he penned afterwards. We spend time talking about the art of listening and as a reporter and interacting with subjects and trying to get information, how one gets trust and the importance of listening there. We talked about the importance of Miami. Dave and his wife Kim are Miami mergers and, and you can hear the passion in his voice. And as he said, I think he's ready to jump in a car and head back to Oxford. And if he does, I'll be right behind him. We start the podcast talking about why are so many people from Miami writers and even sports writers? Enjoy the pod. The last two stories that I worked on, one was a horrific um, mass shooting at a Madden tournament in Jacksonville. And I turned around from after filing that story and went to uh, the uh, upstate New York to do a story about searching for Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And the way I tie that back to Miami is, you know, when I was at Miami, I took, I took an art class. I took a history class. I took an economics class. I took a music class. I took all the writing and literature classes. Um, and there, I think there is something about, uh, the versatility that, that I came out of Miami with that I think is a, a shared trait amongst, um, writers, people who sort of, are willing to sort of tackle or are curious about any type of assignment. Um, I, I think just in the few people that I've talked to, I think that is, I know that's one of the things that, that I got from Miami that has to this day sort of really uh, been central to, to my career. The, the curious about assignment is really interesting. Bill Hemmer said when he was on the pod last fall, he said it was curiosity is what kind of drives him every day and what he was taught early. So that, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, whenever I talk to, um, we live in a little college town in North Carolina that actually reminds us of Miami. That's why we moved here. But whenever I, um, I talk to the kids or the students here, I always bring up that word. And sometimes it tends to get, it gets giggles because it sounds like a childlike word. But it's, uh, you know, curiosity and sort of, being interested in just about anything and everything, um, that would be the biggest bit of advice I'd give to anybody going into this field. So we'll get into Miami and your, your life the last 20 plus years out of school, but let's talk for a second back to just what you said of those last two stories. I mean, they, they couldn't be more different. Um, 
and the tone and, and how you have to handle each of those, not just writing, but interviews and, and being on the scene of both of those. Just t- take a moment, if you would, on what it was like down uh, in Florida and that experience, which sounds probably a lot different from some of the things that you have written on in the past or reported on, as well as uh, Bigfoot, which is uh, probably pretty different too. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Jacksonville story, um, it was one of those things where I think it, uh, it, it, the shooting happened and they wanted to get, uh, you know, boots on the ground right away. And, um, I'm probably one of the closest writers and they called and I said, yes. And before I knew it, I was sort of standing inside the crime scene Mm. and, um, I do. I do tend to do things that are maybe maybe a little uh, lighter, a little funnier, a little offbeat. And um, this story was just harrowing. And, um, you know, I carry it with me to this day, um, the sort of the sense of and I wrote about this, the sense of hopelessness, just sort of standing in that crime scene where there is still blood on the floor of this restaurant in Jacksonville, knowing that you know, there, I'm just counting the days before the next mass shooting happens. Um, but you know, in a, in a strange way, those interviews, when you, you you get to people who are witnesses or, or people who are victims, um, it's really the same technique. It's getting people to instantly trust you and open up to you and share, um, their experiences with you. Um, and I, I think whether you're talking to someone in that situation or even someone who is, uh, you know, walking through the woods, looking for Bigfoot, it's the same thing. It's the sort of, um, uh, you know, sort of making an instant connection with somebody in a way that, that makes them feel comfortable sort of sharing their passions or their, or their biggest fears with you. Mm. And instantly trusting you or being willing to share experiences and feeling comfortable. And I think we live in a time, I wouldn't say live in a time, it's always been, but even more so than ever, relationships really matter. And it doesn't matter if you're an author, writer, or uh, in business, or geez, with your spouse and kids and friends. So curious what, what trait uh, you think is in that relationship building or trust? What, what do you do um, to make that happen? Well, it's funny you should say that because one of the, I was working with a younger, um, less experienced um, esports writer on the Jacksonville story. And, you know, I, with the risk of sounding like the, the an old man, you know, before we went into a couple of these interviews, I just said, look, What's really important is put your phone away. I don't want your phone better not ring. You know, it's about it's about shaking people's hands. It's about looking them in the eye. It's about engaging and being interested in in what they're telling you. It's about being empathetic. Um, it's about asking the right questions. And sometimes it's just about shutting the hell up and just listening. Right. I think. We, I think when you talk about relationships, whether it's in business or family or with kids or whether you're doing an interview, so many times nowadays, we've been taught where it's like, I'm only being quiet long enough so that I can then respond with my clever uh, comeback or comments. And we've lost the, the art of listening is, is a lost art because 
you know, in those silences, in those awkward silences, that's where all the great reporting happens, I think. Is that something taught? Is that something learned? Is that just experience? What do you think about that, the art of listening? I think it's a little bit of, of all of that. And what's funny is I'm going to sound, uh, I'm going to, there's going to be a lack of humility by saying, I think the central, the central key to that, to listening is, is humility, right? Mm-hmm. It's not thinking, Oh, what I have to say is the most important thing. Or what I think of this is the most important thing, or I can't wait to be heard. It's, it's the ability to just sort of quiet yourself and be interested in sort of what somebody else has to say or what somebody else is about to teach you. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's contradictory, but no, no, um, but it's probably, it's probably innate to your, your professional career. I would imagine, tell me if I'm wrong here, but as a writer, you've got somebody as an editor who's taking the material that you've said and chopping it up a little bit, maybe moving things around a little bit. So you're, you're in an industry that's not necessarily listening, but from a humility standpoint, you're in an industry where somebody else also is touching your work. And so th- there's probably have to have been a balance of, of learning that way too. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's funny. I talk to um, my editors about this all the time uh, because the magazine process is, it's, it's multi-layered, it's laborious. It's, it's, um, it can, it can be a grind and especially with a story like the, the Jacksonville shooting. Um, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's impossible to not admit that the process makes the story better Mm. and that should be the ultimate goal. And so as tough as it is sometimes to have to maybe file a second draft or re you know, uh, switch the structure around or lose a, a line that you love, um, trusting in the fact that the process makes the story better. And that's all that matters. Um, that's what you have to keep coming back to yourself, uh, and telling yourself, especially in a, you know, we, we, we had to turn the Jacksonville story around in like 10 days. And so it was sort of all hands on deck, and it really re- required that trust in, in the teamwork that everybody was after the same goal. Mm. And you talked about that's a story that will stay with you for, or stays with you now and probably stay with you forever. Looking back in your career, what, what are a few of those other ones that ha- will always stay with you? If it's, some of the, if it's a few of the books you've written or just some of the cover stories that you've done or any story. Yeah, um, I think absolutely. Uh, I read, I don't remember who said this, what writer said this, but they said, um, you will get paid the, the most for the easiest thing you ever write, and you will get paid the least for the most difficult thing you ever write. And at, that absolutely fits for me, because the thing I'm most proud of is, one of the things I'm most proud of is is Noah's Rainbow, the book that, that uh, I wrote about um, the year after Kim and I's first child uh, died during during childbirth, and I think if I come back to it, it's funny. I do. It's it's very strange. I write a lot about uh, death and grief and bereavement, and but I also write about some really weird, funny, um, strange parts of of, of sports too. But um, I think one of the stories I'm most proud of was the story about the the Chicago Marathon, where we found. Um, at the 26 mile marker, we found there was a firefighter who firefighter from North Carolina 
who at the 26 mile mark, uh, um, collapsed and, and eventually died. And a few hours later, a woman who was nine months pregnant, um, at the 26 mile mark went into labor and eventually gave birth. And the story is about weaving those two, the stories of life and death that occurred at the exact same spot of the Chicago marathon. And, um, you know, that was, I think that was the story that, that encapsulated, um, everything that I, I, I think I do well, which is sort of finding strange and unique stories and unique ways to tell them, but also not shying away from, from tragedy as well. Hmm. And the stories that you're talking about take an unbelievable, unbelievable amount of, uh, time and interview and research. And, and one of the things in just thinking about this pod in advance, I was going to ask about the world's changed quite a bit. Talent's talking directly to their audience. You know, where does media, I'm talking sports here for a second, where does, uh, I guess, nightly reporters fit into that mix? Uh, but your world seems a, a little bit outside of that because what you're writing is much more long form. Um, almost cover story type stuff versus the things that are happening every day. Yeah, we, I think, you know, what we found is I think the typical response is, Oh, we live in a world where everybody's got their phone in their hand and it's like 140 characters or, and you know, or, uh, Snapchat or, um, but what we found and what I hope, uh, is sustainable is that people, I think people, find longer form stories as almost a way to, 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 to step out of the constant stream of information that they're hit with. Mm -hmm. In other words, even if it's on your phone, it's still 10 to 15 minutes where you aren't tweeting, aren't texting, aren't emailing, aren't taking phone calls. It's almost like an oasis. It's a break, a mental break where you can just be calm for 15 minutes while you engage in something that's more in depth. And I, um, it's almost like a counterbalance to the rest of the way we, we digest information today. Mm. Is there a story that you haven't written that you know about that you, that you want to write uh, either from a, just a, a magazine perspective or book is there, or are you, you waiting for the next one? Oh no, I've got, I've got a million of them. <laughs> um, it's um, yeah, I've got, um, I, I've got, uh, a million different ideas. Um, you know, one of the ones that's on my mind right now is, uh, the, the trend that we're seeing where people are trying to take their sports fandom into the great beyond. Um, and so one of the things that I'm sort of exploring right now is, you know, there's this trend where people are spreading their ashes more and more inside sports stadiums. They are including their sports fandom in obituaries and, um, one of the craziest things I've seen so far are there, uh, there are a lot of, um, uh, inmates who are condemned to death who use their final words to shout out things like, you know, how about them cowboys? So that is, that seems like a story right, right up my alley. So, um, I, de I definitely want to, want to, want to pursue that. What, what is there a initial, uh, almost reason why you think that's a, that's a trend or I mean, you'll explore I, it, but is there something that the, the curiosity it, it's because of X? 
Well, I think, okay, so my theory is that sports in general, for the people who participate in it at a high level, it, it, it is, it, it, at its essence, it's a way to, uh, to be, to have um, immortality in that you're trying to achieve something that will last longer than, than your life, that will be around, you know, if you win X amount of championships or X amount of gold medals, it will outlast, you will create a legacy that will somehow cheat death, quote unquote, because it will live on much longer than your, you will. And I think in a way we're, we're seeing fans sort of saying, well, I want in on that too. I want to, I want to create a fandom or a statement or something that will uh, live on far beyond myself. And you're seeing that, you know, you're seeing people going viral for, there was a saints fan who passed away. And he included, you know, the, 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 the bad call in the championship game in his obituary. And so he sort of achieved his 15 minutes of fame, um, after leaving the earth. So, uh, more power to him, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And when you were, when you were in Oxford, did you write, did you write for the Miami student or the arena or even jump to like the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Inquirer doing some writing when you were 18, 19 years old? I did. Um, I did a little bit of that. For the Miami student, um, I did a lot of really bad fiction. <laughs> um, but um, no, I mean, the first job I got, I did not have a lot of experience. And so the first job I got was at, it was like at a weekly newspaper in Mason, Ohio, that they gave away for free at supermarkets. So um, yeah, I did not, uh, my wife Kim, who's a Miami grad, went from Oxford right to Manhattan um, uh, to work on, to work in, in New York. Um, I went right from Oxford to Mason, Ohio. <laughs> it's not, it's not where you start. I, it's where you end, I guess. But, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but if you, if you were writing fiction stories, I had to have been fraternity fiction stories, of course. But, uh, if you were writing, if you weren't writing that much, you knew you were going to be a writer though. Cause if your first job had jumped to this weekly paper, I did. I kind of knew, I knew that writing, uh, came naturally to me. Um, actually, you know, I have to say, uh, you know, one of the reasons, one of the ways I knew that I, I could write or that writing just sort of was, uh, second nature for me was, um, I'm pretty sure I went to green beer day. I went to in the entire green beer day, went home, took a nap and then like aced a blue book exam later that day. And I was like, okay, if I can write under those circumstances, I can pretty much, I can write for anybody. (laughs) I can, I can attest that. Yes. I I was never able to function that well as you seem to have been able to pull off. What, What else do you remember about those days in Miami? Oh man. I there, you know, we, I just, we have such a fond place in our hearts for Miami. Both Kim and I do, and um, she's going back for uh, a home plate reunion, I think, in May. And every chance I get, I go, I go, I go back to campus. Um, you know, it is, it's just a place. It's a place that I lucked into because I was all set to go. I was either going to go to Michigan State or Michigan on a wrestling scholarship, and I visited. Uh, you know, the coach said, well, just come down for a visit. And I came down for a visit on like the first warm day of the spring and was like fell in love instantly. And, you know, thank God, because uh, everything I value 
truly value in my life. I, I got from Miami and, um, that connection and that the fondness for that place has, has, has never waned. What, what is some of the, when you talk about that, the, the fondness and the values you've gotten, just take a sec there. What, what are those values or the things that you reminisce and think about? And Erica and I do the same thing. At times it's great with our three kids running around, but geez, it would be nice just to be sitting outside skippers, having a drink, maybe at Thursday at noon. <laughs> oh man, I'm about to get in my car. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. I think I think to some people, the fact that it is kind of it's it, it's it's in the middle of quote unquote nowhere in Ohio um, is a drawback to me. I don't know. There there there's something there. It's something of a, of an, an oasis. It's you just you feel comfortable there. You don't feel like you've got to go to the, the big city, you, you, um, it's just a place where you, at that time of your life, you just sort of feel comfortable, um, you know, it, it, it slowly, but surely becoming an adult. Um, and yeah, it's hard, it's hard to put into words, but it's just, man, I just, um, you know, the other thing it's, it, it was a, okay. It was, again, you talk about balance. We, we, I, we have two teenage daughters and we're constantly talking to them about balance, right? It's not about being perfect, but you don't want to be a total screw up. It's, we, we want you to have balance in your life. That's how you become fulfilled and happy. And when you think about Miami there, there was, there was tremendous balance, right? It was a great academic institution. And I learned an, a, a ton about a ton of different things, but I also had a, a complete blast, right? Um, socially and interacting with friends, people who become lifelong friends and, um, and learning about the world at large. And so th there was, I think there's just a, there's, there's something calming about Oxford and about that campus, but also something, um, that teaches you the, the value of balance in your life. Dave's passion is awesome, infectious. Uh, you can hear it in his voice and you see it in his writing. I think I could have sat and talked with Flem for hours and hours and hopefully the next time we'll be over at Beard Skippers. I hope everyone enjoyed today's pod. Please share it uh, with friends and colleagues. We'll catch up with you next week. Take care.